0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome into the Guiltiest Charge Podcast. We are back with the monday mailbag thank you so much for submitting your questions it's been a minute we had some shows where we do a show on a monday so it's like why would i do a mailbag we do a q a on sunday so why would i do a mailbag but we are back with the mailbag i want to keep it weekly if i can but we'll see with all the uh you know the training camp dates and schedules and whatnot we made it we are here at training camp today is monday July 25th and in two days the chargers will start training camp we'll be able to watch them i'll be down there can't wait. It's It feels like summer took a long time. It always does, but we made it. You made it. Let's get into it. So Monday, and Bellbag to, like to kick us off today. We are now at training camp. I'm so excited. So a bit of housekeeping before we get started, though. So Derwin James contract, it has not been officially announced. We may be aware of like the general ballpark range, um, but we don't know for sure it's dropping tomorrow, that being Tuesday. That said, Arjun and I, if you don't know, by the way, if you're new to the channel, Arjun is our analytics expert. He is great, works with Pro Football Focus, knows all the contract details and whatnot. So Arjun and I, maybe Alex, will be breaking down Derwin James' contract when it drops, which is possibly tomorrow. I've been told that the the players will report tomorrow around 8 a.m. So if you're watching this on Monday, expect maybe around then for that to happen, but no guarantees. Again, we don't know what the contract is but we're pretty darn sure it's happening. I think anyone would know that this is happening, even if you just guessed. Um, pretty sure it's happening, and then we're pretty sure of the ballpark range. I even put up um, Brad Spielberger's contract projection for Derwin James, and I think we expect it to be around there. Um, for training camp and during the preseason and the training camp, over the next six months or so, we're going to give our quick reactions and thoughts one hour after practice ends. So like on Wednesday, practice should end around 11 a.m., uh, we'll get home. Arjun and I will be there the first two days. We'll give our quick reactions to that. i um, not going to do too much unless it's kind of far away from a regular pod episode because we'll just be giving quick, you know, updates for you guys. Just a recap of the practice. What's going on? Depth chart analysis, all that sort of stuff. And then on the main show on Wednesdays or Sundays, we'll be doing our a preview or a review. So maybe preseason game coverage. So like guys who need to step up in this preseason game. Or maybe Sunday night, we'll be talking about the game that just happened or something. Uh, I'll be talking about winners and losers of each week, that sort of thing on the main show. So you should expect one short, maybe 10 to 15 minute update after every single training camp practice that either I'm able to attend or one of us is able to attend. Um, And then on the main shows, we're going to have a more comprehensive look at the entire training camp, maybe like an entire week rather than just. A day to to day to today to day update so a lot of coverage for you guys that will be awesome and then saturday will be our q a um, we usually do our saturday q a's that morning around 9 or 10 a.m don't really have a set time for that but it should be in the morning you guys can ask us questions either you know ahead of the week or ahead of the game whatever that'll be fun and then on twitter i do have giveaways going on right now i have four yes four jersey giveaways um all this week so wednesday will be a jersey Thursday, Friday, and Saturday will all be jerseys. Friday will be a signed Mike Williams jersey. That'll be a giveaway on Friday, which happens to be my birthday as well. Uh, Wednesday will be, I believe, Derwin. No, excuse me. Yeah, Wednesday will be Derwin James. Thursday will be Zion Johnson. Friday, of course, signed Mike Williams. And then Saturday will be Justin Herbert. Now, that's not, you can pick a different one except for the signed one. That'll be the same one. But you can pick another jersey if you win. So if you follow me on Twitter, at Tyler J. Schoon, you'll find the rules for entry. Okay, that's it. Let's get into it. So the first question of, I believe, four questions comes to us from Troy Middleton. How many Pro Bowlers or All Pros do you expect the Chargers to have this year? So I had to do a little bit of research because I, I did not recall off the top of my head who was an All Pro player, who was a Pro Bowl player, who was an alternate, yada, yada. Um, so as far as 2022 All Pros and Pro Bowl players, it's annoying because it's, it's 2022 All Pro for the previous season. But just talking about all pro players, the Chargers did not have any first team players. They had three second team players, one Rashawn Slater, two Corey Lindsley, and three Andre Roberts, who's no longer with the team. Again, I really hope it works out with another player because Roberts was pretty good as a returner. And then, of course, you know, an asterisk there is JC Jackson, who was second team all pro, but not with the Chargers. But now he's on the team, of course. Some guys who received votes, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and Josh Harris. Justin Herbert did not receive votes. That doesn't mean that He's not good, or they don't. The league doesn't think he's good. It was just very heavily skewed towards uh, Rodgers, who won and then Tom Brady. As far as the Pro Bowl goes, they had a few more. They had six Pro Bowl players for the Chargers, and then of course JC Jackson. Famously, that's where Derman James recruited JC Jackson. So, 2022 Pro Bowl was Herbert, Allen, James, Lindsley, Slater, Bosa, who was not voted uh, an All Pro, and JC Jackson, of course, for the for the Patriots. Some alternates: Austin Eckler, a second team alternate; Mike Williams, third. Jared Cook, fourth team, Gabe Gabe Neighbors, fourth team, and Linval Joseph, fifth team, or fifth team, excuse me. So those three players at the end there are no longer with the team, or excuse me, Neighbors is, but we don't expect him to stick around. But it is what it is. So I don't really expect a whole lot of changes going into 2023 All-Pro and Pro Bowl. Um, I do, though, think that All-Pro could work out a bit better in the Chargers' favor. Pro Bowl should about be the same. So I, I don't see any reason why Slater, Lindsay and Jackson wouldn't be like first or second team all pro next year. Lindsley's kind of widely considered, you know, top three center or so um, at his position, except for Brandon Thorne, which I think is interesting. Um, but still Lindsley has been voted for before first team and also second team last year. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't Slater is supposedly going to get better this year as a more known commodity. I assume he would win as well. JC Jackson has been a second team all pro. i Think maybe a first team all pro as well, but it could be wrong. So I don't see why he wouldn't. uh The three new names would be Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa. Um, of the guys that could take that next step forward, I actually think Justin Herbert probably has that best chance um, of being the MVP favorite. Like if he's an MVP player, he's going to win. You know, first team all pro, maybe second team if he's behind say one other guy like another Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or whatever. But I think that's very possible for Justin Herbert, Derwin James is the trickiest one like he's kind of hit or miss when it comes to how the league seems to view him because some guys think he's you know one of the two best safeties in the league some guys had him voted outside of the top 10 if you look at that espn poll so where he fits is kind of tough but he's going to get that big contract he's supposedly going to be surrounded by much better talent i think he is so i do think that he could take a next step forward but i don't know how much I don't know how much more favor, like how much of a favorite he can be in the league's eyes, but he has been an all pro before. So I think putting him in here is fine. And then Joey Bosa, I don't have Khalil Mack on here being voted all pro. I think if it's going to be one of those two players um, for what it's worth, by the way, I'm considering all pro as first or second team. I'm not considering someone with one vote. So Mack might get a vote, but I think if anyone has the best chance of being that first team, second team, all pro, it is Joey Bosa who is younger, who is you know better at this point right now. As far as the Pro Bowl goes, I would say eight players represent. It's a fan-voted thing, and I think we do a good job voting. The only new addition being Khalil Mack. So I don't see why Herbert, Allen, James, Slater, Lindsley, Bosa wouldn't be in the Pro Bowl this year unless they get hurt. Uh, Mack is the one that charges fans up to kind of rally around. Then JC Jackson, I feel like naturally charges fans will, will vote for him, but I don't know. Who knows? All right, the next one comes to us from Stephen Gillard, who says... Which players do you expect to impress in our three preseason games? Of course, three preseason games, not four, which is slightly annoying. Now, it will kind of come down to who's actually playing. I don't really know for sure who's going to be playing. So I tried to pick some of the non-starters or the non-veterans. But again, not 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 an easy you know thing to figure out exactly who's going to play. Heck, I don't even know if Jerry Tillery is going to play or not or, or Morgan Fox or whatever. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't have Jerry Tillery on here, but we'll start with offense though. So three players I expect to impress on offense. There are probably more, but in terms of like expectations and who might just impress more than we think, I think Josh Palmer is an easy candidate. He's going to be the wide receiver one on the team when they try it out there. I'm assuming that Josh Palmer is going to play. I don't see why he wouldn't. So it'll be, you know, Palmer, Guyton, maybe Carter, depends if they view him as a much of a veteran or not. Um, but they'll be out there with the first team with Chase Daniel. He should receive the bulk of the targets. He should receive you know, the most receptions and whatnot. I think Guyton might have one or you maybe know, even, even two big plays per game, but Palmer should be more consistent, and he was last year anyway. I think he's going to be amazing. Uh, I think Jamari Salyer, the rookie from Georgia, is going to absolutely stand out, and I think it kind of depends on how they want to do this because it's possible that he is the third-string left guard. And maybe that's what they do. Like maybe with the third string line, that's where he lines up. But if you want to get a good look at him at tackle, I think there's a way you could put him in with the second team where you have him at left tackle and then Hymus at left guard and just get a, you know, a little future snapshot of what that depth or maybe even what a starter at those spots could look like. Well, not Sawyer at, at left tackle. That's, that's occupied by a current player. But, you know, getting a look at him there. So I, I think Sawyer... Look, he's a guy who dominated some of the best competition. You know, he went, you know, Bama, Michigan, Bama in a three week stretch at the end of last season and gave up like two pressures or something. I think he's going to be really excellent. And he even played right guard. Like he played tackle against Bama, tackle against Michigan, gave up two pressures or whatever it was. Then they had him play in the national championship game, right guard against Alabama. And I don't think he gave up a pressure. Like this dude is, is pretty legit. Um, so I think he's going to impress. I think it's going to be potentially like the Chargers' version of Trey Smith. Although I don't know if he gets that you know instant rookie start, but we'll see. I do expect Larry Roundtree to impress as well, and why not? He did last year. Now I was one of the people that was a bit more you know reserved when it came to my praise for Larry Roundtree in the preseason because everyone was taking victory laps and everyone was happy about Larry Roundtree, and I totally get it. But they were two big runs of very very well blocked runs, like. I could have at least gotten half that yard, half the yards from there. Roundtree, of course, much better athlete, much better player. Got more than I ever would have, but it was kind of a gimme. You know, they were gimme plays. That said, I do think Roundtree, you know, now second year, possibly. Hey, might have a good left side in front of him, too. Might have a good right side in front of him as well with the nice, you know, rotating uh, second string, third string line that they have. I think he'll look good. I, whether that means he's good in the nfl in the regular season is a whole different thing obviously but i think he's a shot of looking you know pretty good and and impressing i think a lot of fans are not a fan of his right now frankly i do think he should be rb4 if we're picking between the four running backs that are the three backs that are returning plus spiller i think rondry should be rb4 i'm just not a huge fan of plotting you know run forward guys um but i do think in the preseason he will shine So on defense, who will impress on defense? I don't think there's any chance that Woods isn't impressing on defense. I was just watching the offense. I've only watched Keenan on Mike Williams on the offense, but every once in a while, just skipping through games, you'd watch him defensive plays just naturally. And there were two plays back-to-back touchdowns, one that was just called back due to penalty against the Texans, where, you know, Burkhead ran up the middle or off left guard or whatever. And Gilman just was not able to get there in time to stop. Rex Burkhead, which sounds awful, um, but it's true. It happened. And then there was a penalty. It got called back. There was an outside run, I believe. And Gilman just took an awful angle or could not get there to stop Rex Burkhead. JT Woods is the answer to all the problems they had last year when it came down to just pure athleticism. Like, sure, Woods has in college some missed tackle issues, particularly against the pass, if I'm not mistaken. But his speed is there. His instincts are there. He's just like, like at least, even if he misses the tackle, he's going to get there to at least try to attempt to make the tackle and heck i'll take a missed tackle where or like you know someone breaks a tackle on him over just completely missing your assignment altogether because you're not athletic enough to get there now of course you want woods to finish the tackle and be the guy who brings the ball carrier down but i think he's going to i think he's going to shine out in the preseason because he's so athletic uh nick neiman no surprise here he was honestly their mvp last season in my opinion yeah well Even if he wasn't the MVP because he's a linebacker, I think he was their most productive and most outstanding player by far. Nick Neiman, I believe, led the NFL in the preseason among all rookies, or if not all players, in like run stops, run stop rate. He had, I believe, a sack and a couple of pressures to go with it. He was very, very impressive. I was so surprised that they came out of the preseason and didn't give him more of a role. Of course, he steps into a role against the Giants because they were blowing out the Giants. What does he do? picks off a pass. I, I wish you were more involved, but it is what it is. You like your guys and some guys are just special teamers, but I think Nick Neiman in the preseason is going to show up. And then finally, Chris Rumpf, a guy who just smoked everybody in at the scrimmage uh, during training camp, you know, during the preseason, Chris Rumpf looked really, really good. The caveat being that he was kind of the third string guy in there and wasn't, you know, going against the best tackles. Um, you know, I remember him beating up guys for like two and a half or three sacks at the scrimmage, but he was going up against, I don't even remember uh, who was out there for the charges at left tackle. So, but still like he supposedly is looking amazing. He's supposedly looking like a fantastic player. He's going to be out there as the, you know, first team edge rusher. Um, pro- I would assume without Kyle Van Noyce, I'm assuming it's him and maybe like an Emeka Egbule out there for edge rusher. And I think he's going to absolutely shine for sure. So what do you guys think? Who's going to shine on offense or on defense? Who's going to impress? Not just do well, but like really impress where there's a lot of buzz and a lot of conversation around these guys. Let me know what you think in the comment section below. All right. Next up from Renee Vandervelden, Let me know if I said that right. Is Staley on the hot seat if the Chargers have another underwhelming season? Now it definitely will come down to what the reason for the underwhelming season is. We don't know. Frankly, I think it's impossible for them to have a bad season. Um, but what defines an underwhelming season? I guess that would be miss the playoffs. I think make the playoffs is the minimum the Chargers need to do. But I think they should at least win one game unless maybe they have a buy for some reason than losing the divisional round. Um, but they should at least be able to win in the wild card if they get there. Um, but let me know what you think an underwhelming season would be. To me, the Char- Staley's on the hot seat. You know, let's look at it for why he would be and why he's not. Now, frankly, I lean that he's not. Let's talk about why he would be. Number one, and probably the most important thing, which trickles down to the rest of the points, the defense is terrible again. If the defense is terrible again, and that's the reason the Chargers missed the postseason, what's what's his point of being here with the Chargers? Which sounds awful, but if, if, if all this plan comes together, the scheme change comes together, and the defense sucks again, and it's clearly the reason the Chargers missed the playoffs, kind of like it was last year, then what is he doing here? Uh, reason number two, Saley's guys, they flop. So if Khalil Mack, they trade for him, ton of money, and he's just out for the year by week one, which I hope doesn't happen. You know, that's kind of unfair to Staley, but if it doesn't work out, that's a lot of commitment. Like you went to bat for this guy and it didn't work. If Sebastian Joseph Day, who missed a lot of time last year, misses time again, and the run defense is bad, and Morgan Fox comes in, and let's say they even bench Jerry Tilley for Morgan Fox, and Morgan Fox is just as bad, And now you don't really have a solution that's the starting defensive tackle. That's a problem. If JC Jackson, if he comes in, you advocated for him. He was your guy, your price free agent. He comes in, you know, the Chargers took a swing and a miss or they took a swing on a good player with maybe a couple of off the field question marks. If they take that swing and it doesn't work out, they're going to go, well, okay, well, I guess we're not going to do that again. Um, And then if departing players excel elsewhere, um, this is a tough one to, to gauge but if, if the guys that the Chargers let go in the offseason go somewhere else and perform better, or at least even as much as the guys that they kept or signed for, you know, but the Chargers spent a lot more money on these guys, that might be a problem. Um, so if like a Chenin Wosu goes out and has a huge year and does better than Khalil Mack, but at, you know, two and a half times less the contract or the APY at least, You know, that might draw some, you know, some question marks. If Kaiser White goes to Philadelphia and he's got 150 tackles and becomes an all pro behind a great Philly defensive line, which is very, very possible, and Kenneth Murray is a bust, but they went with him, or, you know, Troy Reader starts maybe even, and they didn't give Kaiser White that shot because they wanted to go with Troy Reader. I don't know, whatever. Justin Jones, you know, these guys, if they leave and they depart and they go somewhere and do a great job elsewhere. And Staley's defense looks terrible, but all these guys you let go are doing well elsewhere, you know, you'll raise some eyebrows for sure. Last year, it was kind of face-on. Denzel Perryman had an amazing year for the Raiders. Casey Hayward had an amazing year. Now, granted, these players were all for the Raiders, um, but that's just where they went. They they all went to the Raiders, so what am I supposed to do? But face-on, Perryman, and Hayward all had good years relative to expectations. And, you know, Michael Davis didn't do so well. Hayward did well. Chargers had a bit of a linebacker issue, you know, with with Kenneth Murray uh, and Perryman did really well. And Brandon Faison wouldn't have fit the scheme anyway, but he did do pretty well for the for the Raiders, but he wouldn't have fit Uh, the fourth and final reason why he would be on the hot seat is Joe Lombardi continues his own hot streak. Do I think he's the best coordinator in the world? No, but I do think that he does enough and did enough for the Chargers to be successful. Arjun pointed out that, you know, the Chargers are running outside zone like that is their main priority thing that's not the only thing they run but that's their big thing and no team generated more epa on outside zone runs than the chargers so like lombardi took a whole new unit a whole new scheme all of this stuff implemented it and they became the best outside zone team in terms of epa which is great herbert set you know this record that record most touchdowns through this many games you know was an outstanding quarterback statistically the chargers had a top three offense they had more points per drive than the 2 South two, through 2006 offense with Ladanian Tomlinson like I don't even know how that's possible but they did they averaged more points per drive with them you know one of the highest red zone you know touchdown rates low turnover rate from Justin Herbert he took a step forward so if that continues into this year and Herbert is an MVP and they look really good on offense and, and Lombardi is in, or Herbert or both have said that was 101 offense last year. We're going to get into 202 now. Like, this is now your sophomore year of college, and it's going to get a bit more difficult. And it, it's which is crazy because what's the 300 and 400 offense going to look like in these years with Joe Lombardi? If he looks really good and Staley looks bad, then why are we keeping Staley around if the defense is looking terrible? Put Joe Lombardi as your head coach, which is controversial. I know it's very early to be talking about it, but we're talking about a hypothetical here. If Joe Lombardi is leading another top three offense with Herbert being the MVP of the league and and Staley's defense is bottom of the league, one coach is clearly at the worst doing very well on offense and doing their job. You know, is Lombardi going to be a great head coach? I don't know. Some team is going to find out. Um, But if Staley is faltering and Lombardi continues to just have a really freaking good offense, which might be completely because of Justin Herbert, but still, if there's a great offense there, why break it up? Make Lombardi your head coach. And if Lombardi's getting coaching jobs elsewhere or coaching interviews elsewhere, and Staley's not doing so well, keep the continuity and just promote Joe Lombardi. So I, I think that if Staley all those things happen, he looks the defense is bad, his guys flop, guys go elsewhere and excel, and Lombardi is is clearly just they're crushing it on offense. And you know, his coordinators and his position coaches are all getting hired and whatnot. Keep him, make him the head coach. Um, because you want that continuity for Justin Herbert, and then that kind of solves the problem for the rest of his career of who his offensive coordinator is going to be. It's just always going to be Joe Lombardi. Uh, but again, hypothetical. I don't think it'll happen, but we'll see. So why is he not on the hot seat? At the end of the day, the Chargers are pretty clearly committed to him and his vision. Like th- there's been no in my lifetime, no one who's had the same amount of personnel control as Justin er, as Brandon Staley. He is calling the shots at the very least on defense. Offense, eh, I don't know, but most of that structure is already in place. But he called the shots in terms of overhauling the offensive line, right? They went back-to-back, offensive line in the first round. That's definitely a Staley influence. And then, of course, in terms of the the guys that are brought in, the defense is pretty, obviously, clearly, Brandon Staley's guys, Brandon Staley's vision, exactly what he wants. I'm At this point, I'm tired of the whole, oh, Spanos is interfering with these decisions. Like, if you like it, it's Staley. If it's bad, it's Spanos. Like, no, it's pretty clearly Brandon Staley calling the shots on defense. Again, maybe different on offense, but on defense, like again, Special Joseph Day, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, Morgan Fox, Eric Banks last year, Chris Harris Jr. That's it's Staley on defense. So they're committed to him and his visions, they're letting him do whatever he wants, you know, within reason, of course. And I think it's working. I think it's going to work. And they're clearly committed to him, not just this year, but you know, years down the line. And that's not just in the decisions that he's made, but also just the contracts. Like Khalil Mack, he's under contract for the next three years. Now, granted, they could cut him, um, including this year. They're under, he's under contract the next three years. Like that's kind of what I think they're committed to. Like not just one year with Staley or two years with Staley, but like they're going to see this out. They're going to see JC Jackson through a couple of years, Mack through a couple of years. So I think they're I think they're very committed to him. I also think, as we sort of talked about with Lombardi, a coaching change would be awful for this current team. You know, you just. You're finally getting your guys for that three-four Fangio scheme. You know that transition is sort of there. Herbert is now finally in the second year of the same scheme, which he hasn't had since high school. And you would just blow that all up and, and and get rid of Brandon Staley. I don't buy that. Now they could maintain that same Fangio scheme on defense. Maybe they even bring in Vic Fangio if you know Lombardi becomes the head coach. And I think there is a potential route where Lombardi is the head coach and Fangio is the defensive coordinator in this scheme, or even Ronaldo Hill. Um, but I think that it's a very specific team for Brandon Staley and this offense, and I just don't really buy that it's a good idea for them to change these things up right now. Um, also, just obviously, Anthony Lynn and Mike McCoy got you know more years and had far less team control, so they got more years and they were just basically just kind of sitting duck, useless head coaches when it came to like really developing and building this roster. It really felt like a an upstairs decision making the roster, and then you know, Lynn and McCoy would just try to make it work on the field. And it really feels like with Staley, he's just like, he's in it. It's his team, his guys, his personnel, what he wants. Um, and so firing Staley after another year would be meh. Um, but then again, it is very different. Like this this Herbert team with the way they're all in is, is different than anything the Chargers had under Lynn and McCoy because they had Phillip Rivers. And then honestly, why Staley's not on the hot seat seat really is that the Chargers are if they're healthy, they're not going to underperform. Like they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to probably win a playoff game. And then after that, now if your expectations of super bowl or bust, maybe, but I think that it's really impossible for the chargers to underperform because they have Justin Herbert and they have a lot of good players. And I just think that unless, you know, the sky falls and guys are hurt again and again and again and again and again, and again the chargers should make the postseason. Last one. Is there a, this is from the course cowboy, by the way, is there a sleeper fantasy pick on the roster this year? Now, I full disclosure, I'm terrible at fantasy football. I actually had a, a very I always have like good teams that are very unlucky. So maybe I'm good at fantasy football and just very unlucky. Last year I had um, in the first game of the playoffs, I had my worst point performance of the entire year for no reason. Like I was consistently at, you know, 160 160 just blowing guys out. And then I get to the first round of the playoffs and I have like 85 or something. And then the next two weeks after that in the you know semifinals and in the finals, my team scored the most points out of anybody in our league in those two games. But of course, in the first game of the playoffs, I have my worst output. Um, so I'm going to tell you who the super fantasy pick is, but that doesn't mean that you should follow it because I'm kind of unlucky to me. I suppose it depends on how much of a sleeper, you know, fantasy pick you think uh, I suppose it depends on what you think a sleeper pick is, uh, but to me, the sleeper pick isn't really much of a sleeper. It's Josh Palmer, and I said this much on Twitter. If you don't, you know, believe me that I believe in him, I said that Palmer's good enough to create a wide receiver two controversy, and I think that he generates more buzz in training camp in the preseason than anyone else outside of the new additions, of course, because everyone's going to be talking about the shiny new toys. But in terms of you know some guys who could really make some buzz, I think it is going to be Josh Palmer. Now, I don't think Josh Palmer creates a wide receiver two controversy because, you know, Mike Williams is bad or anything or because he looks really good or Palmer looks really good. I think that he would create a wide receiver two controversy moving forward into 2023, um, not necessarily because of the play, but because of the money. I think that if Mike Williams goes down for four games, five games last year, he really, you know, Mike Williams was great to start the year and then struggle with injuries for another five, six weeks after that. If Palmer steps in and has those six games to be the starter, I think people are going to go, uh, we're paying Mike Williams how much and Josh Palmer how little? So I don't think they'll ever, I don't think we'll ever think that Palmer is better than Williams necessarily, not this year, but I think we're going to get to a point where it's like, eh, like maybe we should have paid Mike Williams and just let Josh Palmer play. That said, like there's no reason you should have done that knowing what you know from last year it's more of just a hindsight thing anyway i think the palmer is going to be outstanding this year and if he gets time to shine i think there's gonna be a mini controversy but we'll see all right so that is it for me that is the monday mailbag i will be at training camp most every day outside of the two final thursdays and then one sunday because sunday is family day i'm not gonna abandon my family for that so uh sunday's family day the other two thursdays i'll be at uci for my master's program so not going to be around all right guys i'm excited for training camp i hope you are too thank you for watching the monday mailbag take care and as always bolt up